Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. Great to have everybody. Thank you, Ryan, for the wonderful introduction. Wow, that was incredible. Thank you for the one person that clapped for going on a missions trip with me. How many people have been? In the, and one person clapped. Thank you, guys. Much love right here. Great to have you. Man, hey, I just want to take a second and welcome our Appleton campus, our online campus, and right here at the Germantown campus. Can you guys give a huge hand for everyone joining us here this morning? And also, we have a team that's here from Toronto, Canada as well. Where are you guys at? Right there in the back. You guys give it up for these guys. They did a missions trip with a Dulham Outreach this week. Some awesome friends that are back there. Great to have you guys as well. Well, hey, I'm going to keep it really simple this morning. I'm a simple guy, all right? Love to keep it simple. Um, I notice in my life, though, something about me is I, I try to make things simple, but naturally I complicate things. How many guys, that's you? Like you just, there's, there's things that you know should be simple, but you love to complicate it. That's exactly what I do. Just to give you an example, Noelle and I celebrated being married six years last year. Yeah, we can give it up for that. Some of you guys that have been married 30 years, you're like, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't, six years, really? Still in the honeymoon stage. We are. It's incredible. So six years, and you know, for every anniversary or birthday or anything like that, I try to get really creative to make it fun, to make it memorable, all of these different things. So basically for this, at our old house, all right, we had a sunroom at the back, and we had basically a deck on top of the sunroom that had like railing and stuff. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be cool to lay like a blanket out and be able to look at the stars, to put a ton of candles around it, to have my little Bose speaker playing some cool music, chocolate cover strawberries, uh, Mary couples that, amen, you know what I mean? Nope, okay, all right, we'll keep going. The youth section is like, what? What are you talking about? I'm going to get this thing straight in a little bit. So I'm thinking through, man, hey, what can I do to make it perfect? What can I do to make it over the top? So I had that plan going. And I thought about this. I've seen this a ton in movies and like magazines and all of this stuff. How many of you guys have heard of wish lanterns? It's like the Chinese lantern that you light and it flies into the sky. We have a picture of what a wish lantern is. Have you, got, have you ever seen these? Nobody's ever seen them. There we go. We got some people that have seen them. I have never actually lit one of these before this. And I'm like, this would be incredible. You know, I've, again, I've seen this in movies and magazines. I've never seen one beside a wish lantern and having a terrible time. I really haven't. I haven't seen somebody miserable beside a wish lantern and it taking off. People are having a blast. They're having the time of their life. And I'm like, this would be perfect to get wish lanterns. And so I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I could do basically what I love about her for every wish lantern that goes off. And so I'm looking on Amazon and I see a 10-pack of wish lanterns and then I see a two-pack of wish lanterns. Same price. Which one am I going to choose, right, Mr. Complicator? I'm like, 10 obviously. The 10-pack was from Shenzhen, China, and the two-pack was from Pittsburgh. And I was like, well, it originated in China, right? I'm going to go straight from the source. I'm going to get the 10-pack from China. So I had to order it ahead of time. And if you know me, I'm not a person that plans ahead, all right? But I ordered it ahead. I should be proud. So three weeks ahead, I order them. They come in in about two and a half weeks. And uh, I got the 10-pack, and I have 10 things that I love about her. But I had to test one out. So it turned into nine things that I love about her. I kind of added the tenth in there as well. But uh, when I'm testing this one out, I'm on the deck, all right? So I'm like, I've got to get this perfect. It's got to be a perfect moment so we can smile and just love each other like the people in the movies. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect. And so I light it, and uh, the piece of plastic on the bottom lights and falls off. 
and lands below the deck and this little flame uh, happens. So I run down and stomp the flame out and I'm pretty sure that piece of wax is still there today. But uh, <laughs> people that bought the house probably wonder what in the world is that. So I ran down and stomped it out and you're like, I'm like, you know, what? it's got to be a dud out of the 10. I'm going to trust the other nine. It's going to be good. And so the day of, I have it all laid out. Got the blanket out, got the candles lit, got the music on, chocolate cup of strawberries, come on, it was awesome. And uh, Noel comes out, it was a clear night so we could see the stars, just perfect, perfect moment. I have my nine wish lanterns, and it comes to that point where the wish lanterns were the surprise, and I said, hey, you know what, here's what I did, I've got nine different things that I love about you, I've got some wish lanterns here. And I pulled the wish lantern out and began to light it and describe the first thing I love about her. I'm like, man, I love how you make me laugh. I love, and I'm, I'm describing it and lighting it, and it's taking forever. I'm just going, are you kidding me? Would you light already? Like, it's taking forever. And finally, it expands, and it's getting ready to ascend. And I just hold it, and it lifts off my hand perfectly. And I'm like, come hold me, and let's watch it go off into eternity like our love. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is it. It's actually working. And she comes up, and we're holding each other and watching it go up, and it's just a perfect moment. And then the wind starts to blow. Don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. The wind starts to blow, and uh, I'm in a neighborhood where houses are pretty close together, right? And the wind's blowing, and it's not ascending as fast as I've seen it happen in the movies. And, and so it, the wind's blowing it directly towards our neighbor's house, and it's sort of taking off and ascending a little bit, and then finally it goes higher and higher, and I'm thinking, oh, thank God, it's not going to hit the neighbor's house. And we're sitting there, Noelle, her personality, she's kind of inside wanting to bust out laughing and also nervous as well, but she knows I'm trying to have a serious moment and romancing and all this stuff, and so she's just sitting there kind of looking at me like, oh, my gosh, it's about to nail this house. What are you going to do? And literally the wind continues to blow. It gets above the house, thank God. I'm like, here it goes. We're going to watch it go off into eternity. And it falls from the sky. <laughs> Dropped right out of the sky. I'm going, oh, dear goodness. What in the world are we going to do? How many of you guys heard about the big fire in Menominee Falls? I'm just I'm totally kidding. But seriously, I, I am frantic. Like, I run and I grab my shoes. The moment's over. I, put, they were, I think we were Crocs of all things. And I'm running around the neighborhood in Crocs looking for this fire that's going to be everywhere, and I can't find it anywhere. I'm going, dear God, help me. Like, I'm seriously, I'm looking everywhere. I'm trying to jump to see if it's on the roof of the neighbor's house, and I cannot find it anywhere. So I go back on the deck, and I'm like, I can't find it. She's like, keep looking. And so I go back out, and I'm running and looking still. And I'm literally in my mind, like, I'm, I'm a person that's like, what if, what if, what if this happened? I'm thinking, what if, like three minutes from now, there's going to be a 30-foot flame. The neighbors are going to be gathered outside, staring at me, just hacked off, fire trucks pulling up. And I'm like, Jesus, no, don't let this happen. And so finally I found it. Thank you, God. It was literally two feet in front of our neighbor's new $50,000 truck. The flame was gone. Praise Jesus. <laughs> I I sat right there and said a prayer, and then I picked it up and looked in the neighbor's windows and kind of scurried off really quick, like, oh my goodness, they already think I'm weird, what are they going to think now? So I grabbed it and took off, and I began to think, Kevin, what if you would have ordered the two-pack? It was way nicer, they probably would have taken off like they were supposed to, I literally have eight more wish landers in my closet if anybody wants them, right? Put them on Craigslist and see what happens, hear about another fire on the news, but Anyways, if I would have just simplified things and said, hey, 
two things I love about you, all, and, and added all of those things in there, like it would have been much better. You know, this isn't a new thing where human beings complicate things. We all, I think we can say we all at times complicate things. Going in the Bible, from the beginning of time when God created Adam and Eve, what did they do? They complicated things. God said, hey, here's one thing. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk with you in the cool of the morning. We're going to do life together. Just one thing. One thing. Don't eat from that tree. Right? It's like you had one thing to do. Have you ever said that to somebody? You had one thing. One thing and you ruined it. One thing, don't eat from the tree. What did they do? They listened to the serpent, Satan, who said, ah, did he really say that? And they complicated it, ate from the tree. Sin came into this world. And from there, people have been complicating things ever since, including myself. And obviously, it didn't stop there with Cain and Abel. With, I mean, you could go through the whole Bible and find where people have complicated things so much. In the times of Jesus, Jewish culture, basically, they were given Ten Commandments, right? God gave that on the tablets and, and they were given the Ten Commandments. And by the end of the first five books of the Bible, of the Torah, there were 613 laws to follow. Think about how complicated that is. 613 laws that you had to do. I cannot imagine. You know, in our household, we like to, there's things that, hey, London and Ezra, our two boys, like, hey, you cannot do, right? There's things that's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. We have family values. I can't imagine having 613 things. In a book of, hey, learn them, <laughs> keep them, right? Like, I can't imagine having to tell my wife, hey, another 559, and I'm not going to be able to touch you for a week. You're going to be unclean, right? <laughs> Nobody got that. We're going to keep going. <laughs> all right. You'll get it later when you read the Old Testament. No, but <laughs> I can't imagine having to memorize all of that stuff. London, one more 229 out of you. You're walking on thin ice, son. You know, memorizing all of those rules. How crazy would that be? How complicated? And even more than that, there's a book that came out by all of the rabbis in that day that they would take all of those 613 rules and then they would go even further with them, right? So it's, the book's called the Talmud, and in the Talmud you read certain things like this to where when you touch something unclean, you had to wash your hands first of all. And instead of just washing your hands, you had to wash your wrist as well. And then because your wrists were so close to your elbows, you needed to wash your elbows too, so they took it that much further. My OCD people said, amen, I'm already doing that. And then here's another thing. So on the Sabbath, you're not able to plow because that's work, right? There was a rabbi that wrote in the Talmud that, hey, inside of your house, if you move a chair and it stirs up any dust, sorry, that's plowing. You've sinned. You need to go make a sacrifice for it. What? Can you imagine all of these different rules, all of this pressure, everything that's, that's on them of, hey, I've got to follow every single one of these things to be a good person. And here's what's so incredible is when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus came on the scene, and now Jesus followed the law, okay? So this is what's incredible about Jesus. But a teacher of the law came up to Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 27. And he said, hey, what are the greatest parts of the law to you? And he's probably expecting Jesus to just break down all of these different things of the 613 portions of the law and give them this synopsis of all of this. But Jesus gives him two things. Jesus brings a beautiful simplicity into all of the complicated things that people were going through. And he turns 613 rules into two relationships. 613 rules to follow he turned into two relationships to develop. He said, hey, here's, what, here's, the, here's the most important things of the law. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you need to do. And the teacher of the law is like, <laughs> you know, what? There's, there's so much more. He's like, no, no, no. If you do those two things, you're going to make it. You're going to do incredible in life. If you love God and if you love people. So that's what I want to talk about today, the, just the simplicity of loving God and loving people, how so many times we complicate things, but Jesus brings us back to the simplicity of the gospel and saying it's not about rules. This book is not a huge book full of rules for you to follow. Yes, there's things that are described as sin and different things, but it's relationship. And when you have a relationship, you don't want to break the rules because they're in here and there's just a list of rules to break. You don't want to break the rules because it hurts your relationship. And so he's bringing it back to relationship to these people. I have a cross on stage this morning because there's such an incredible picture that the cross brings to loving God and loving people. If you look at the vertical portion of the cross, we see that this is the portion that holds it up, right? This is the portion that, and I know many of you have learned this already, but you see that this represents our relationship with us and God. We see, here, we see us right here. We see God right on top. And by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, there was that reconciliation that we would be able to have a relationship with God that we would be able to have his presence in our life, that we could have a relationship with him. It's keeping up with our relationship with God. But there's not only that, there's our relationship with people as well. There's that horizontal part of the cross where Jesus' hands were outstretched into where he would reach out to other people. And our job as well as Christ followers is not only to love God, which is the main thing, but it's also to love people. You know, they don't go, like, you can't have this one without this one. You're not living life right if you, if you don't have both of these things to make up the cross. And here's the incredible thing that Jesus did. Is Jesus basically in those two words, he said, you can't have one without the other. You need to love me. You need to love people. He's telling us, and if you're taking notes, man, this is so simple. Again, it's so simple to see. But he's telling us, I want for you to do life at the intersection of the cross. Do life at the intersection of the cross of the cross. If you have notes or a piece of paper, just draw a cross and put a circle right over the intersection. You know, the cross isn't two parallels of the same thing happening. It's, it's the intersection of two opposites. It's the love of a perfect father, the perfect love of a perfect God, but it's also the imperfect love of us imperfect humans. And they coincide and they're together. And Jesus came in and he said, do life at the intersection of the cross. I want for you to love God and I want for you to love people. Those are the two relationships that you need to worry about. And if you worry about those things, if you do life in those things, if you truly fall in love with a, with a father who loves you that's crazy about you, you're automatically going to want to love people as well. They're going to come together in such an incredible way. And so there's a story in the Bible that gives a great analogy of loving God and loving people. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. We're going to have it on the screen for you to follow, as long as, follow along as well. We're going to start with verse 1 on Acts chapter 3. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. You know, you can pull so much from this scripture. I love how when you dive into the Bible, when you read the same scripture, sometimes you get different things throughout. You know, it's like God shows you something different every time you read that. And that's kind of what happened here. And it shows this incredible analogy of loving God and loving people. So again, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to start out and it'll be on the screens as well. 
One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all of the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. Many translations call this Solomon's Porch. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in this place, God. I pray that every single one of us would leave knowing how much you love us. God, encouraging us to be able to love you more and love people more and to live at the intersection of the cross, to live where you designed us to live, to literally be able to change this world. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray it's your words and not mine. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So in this story, Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple, okay? And Peter and John at this time, they would go to the temple three times a day because that was Jewish custom. So they would go and pray at this temple three times every single day. And here's the cool thing about that. I think about that and how much they truly kept up with their relationship with God. I look at how they, they took care of their relationship with God. The first point today, if you're taking notes, is take care of your temple. Take care of your temple. I'd like to use the temple as kind of a, an analogy as our relationship with God. You know, they would go to the temple three times a day. They truly valued their relationship with God. And you know, for, for Peter and John, it was something that they saw as a relationship and not just rules to follow. You know, back in this time, this would have been pretty soon after Jesus died on the cross. He rose again in three days, and then he ascended back into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit was sent as a gift. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they had this, this perfect union between the Trinity take place to where God the Father had already walked the earth. Jesus died on the cross. The Holy Spirit was sent to the earth. And they would have been described as being the temples of the Holy Spirit at that time. You know, because used to, they had to actually go to the temple to experience the presence of God. Only priests could go in. They had to go through the veil of the temple and experience the presence of God and then share what that was like with the people. But when Jesus died on the cross, it says that the veil of the temple was torn, signifying that the presence of God is for everyone. So Peter and John, John understood something at this time. They understood that they were carriers of the presence of God. They didn't just need to go to the temple, but they needed to keep up with that relationship with God wherever they were. You know, for me, sometimes I put prayer, I, I compartmentalize it into a destination to go to. How many ever do that sometimes? It's like, hey, well, you know what? I, right before service, I'll, I may pray a little bit. You know, I got an hour and a half on the weekend or before a life group. I know we say a prayer. We say a prayer right before we eat every time. And we compartmentalize it into a destination or a time or place sometimes when we carry the presence of God. 
And I think something that Peter and John understood is that with any relationship, we got to take care of that relationship more than just a single destination or place every once in a while between a week. Think about it, those of you who are married or, or kids with your parents or friends or, or girlfriends, boy, or whoever that is, you want to take care of that relationship. You know, if I told Noel, hey, babe, <laughs> it looks like our time this Sunday is from 9 to 10. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast. You know, what? That would never work. Think about that. Now, instead of rules to follow and different things like that, think about your relationship with God as a relationship. You have God wherever you are. You are carriers of his presence. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you decide to follow Jesus, you become that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 16, that he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Think about that for a second. He who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. When you become a Christ follower, you become one with him in spirit, one with God. That means you are a carrier of his presence. How incredible is that to know that he's taken all of those 613 laws in a life of saying, hey, I've got to do all of this right and all of this right, to saying, man, just take care of your relationship. Man, just love Jesus. Wherever you go, begin to, to pray with him. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. You know, I used to think about that as, well, how do I do that in school? Jesus, I love you. You are great. And the teacher's like, Kevin, shut your mouth, you know. That's not how it works. I think that prayer, a lot of times, the whole pray without ceasing, is more of an attitude throughout the day. It's more of recognizing that you have the presence of God right there with you throughout the day. So maybe it's on your lunch break at work that you just take the time to recognize the presence of Jesus. Maybe it's a, a person at your office that they're not feeling well that day and you recognize that our God is a healer and you can go back and you have a relationship with him to say, hey, God can be right here in our office place. I want to pray for you really quick. Man, taking the time to recognize that this, this relationship with God is not just set on a destination. A destination is great. We need to gather every single weekend in church. That is very important. It says, do not forsake the gathering of the believers. You have to. You have to be with others. You can't do this alone. But God goes with you. God went with Peter and John wherever they were. And they recognized that. They took care of their temple. They truly took care of their relationship with God. For me, the biggest part of this came when I was in Bible college. And the first day of Bible college, we got started. And it was Monday through Thursday. They said, hey, you guys are going to pray two hours a day in the morning. Some of you are going, what in the world? What did you pray about? I don't even know. Like you, at first I'm going, what? Two, two hours? Okay, that's a lot of time. And uh, I had like a little prayer journal, and I'm trying to write all these things down. And I'm like, can I like rest in the presence of the Lord for a little bit, for like 30 minutes? And so after a while it became, man, and I, I wouldn't change one single thing from that because it became a pillar for my relationship with God today. But things begin to change for me. When I begin to spend time with God outside of that two hours of prayer. You think, wow, two hours, man, that must have been perfect. You must have been set. But it's when I begin to realize and recognize that the presence of God was with me. It's when I was having a tough time in Bible college. And afterwards at 1030 at night, I would go out on our street where our dorms were and just pray and just cry out to God. And just say, God, I need you. I need you. I'm feeling alone or I, I need some help. I need you. It's when we were in restaurants and we're like, man, I, 
not crazy enough to believe what this Bible says. We're just going to go pray for that person that just said they don't feel well. You know, like that's when I begin to see this thing as a relationship instead of just a checklist to follow or things to go along with of, man, this is a lifelong thing of having Jesus with us and walking with Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. Take care of your temple. Secondly, today, if you're taking notes, take care of your porch. Take care of your porch. The second analogy here of loving people is so cool. It says, after Peter and John healed the beggar, they went to a place called Solomon's Porch. Okay, the porch was connected to the temple. It was a part of the temple to where it was almost like a marketplace, right? People would buy and sell goods. They would, it was people from all different nationalities. People who were on the, the porch of the temple wouldn't necessarily be going in the temple and vice versa. If you're in the temple, you may not spend time on the porch, but Peter and John had the balance between both. That was incredible. Peter and John, after healing the beggar, they didn't go into the temple and celebrate it. They went to the porch to celebrate it. I begin to think, wow. so what were they thinking when they went to the porch? Again, the porch was a marketplace. The porch was outside of the four walls of the temple. They went out and they celebrated what God did in community outside of the walls. They went out and they did life with people that were inside of the church that were Christ followers and they did life with people who were inside of the church or inside that were Christ followers and outside that weren't Christ followers. They knew how to have community with people and what Peter did was he brought this beggar up and he began to speak instead of speaking on a platform like I am today he began to speak outside on this porch and say look what God did. Every single one of you knew this man that was lame from birth, and now he's walking, beginning to proclaim this incredible message to all of these people, and it said thousands were added to the church that day. How incredible. Thousands were added to the church because somebody was bold enough to say, you know what, I'm going to love God, I'm going to have a relationship with him, but I'm also going to bring it outside of the church as well. I'm also going to bring it into community with others and love people. I want to tell you this morning, each of you have a platform to be able to share about your relationship with God. Whether at work, whether with family, whether with friends, each of you have influence and a platform just like Peter had to be able to share and proclaim what God is doing in your life. And it works. Thousands of people were added to the church daily. I'm not saying that you're going to go Monday and, and win your whole office for Jesus, which that could happen. That would be incredible. But man, what if you could win one? What if, what if you could realize that, man, praying without ceasing, keeping an attitude of, of keeping my relationship with God up and taking care of my temple and, and continuing to reach out to others. Man, think of how you could change the world. Think of how you could change your world, how people's lives could be changed and impacted in such a real incredible way. You know, my favorite part of this story, I love this, is if we go back to the beginning where Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and they see this beggar. He's been there every single day. I want you to think about that. Every day he's been there. I begin to look into it and say, man, they must have passed him hundreds of times before this. You know, if he was there every day and they went as a tradition three times a day to the temple, they had to have passed him many times. And I don't know if they ignored him. I don't know if they gave him money. I don't know. It doesn't say. But something was different this time. Something was different this time that, that gave them the urge to want to stop and actually 
pay attention and put themselves in this man's shoes and actually live life in the intersection of the cross because before they were taking care of this. They were taking care of their relationship with God, but this time on the way to taking care of this destination, taking care of their relationship with God, they met in the intersection of the cross and said, I have all of Christ within me to be able to pray for this man and see him healed and see God do a miracle right here. It all aligned up for them to do life in the intersection of the cross. And that's what God is asking us to do. You know, a few weeks ago, um, my in-laws were in town. And we were going to go to Strawberry Fest and all that stuff. How many guys went to Strawberry Fest? I love Strawberry Fest. Donna Erickson, mac and cheese, come on. Think about food. It's not even 10 yet. Okay. <laughs> we're going to keep going. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Strawberry Fest. It's going to be a fun week and all of this stuff. And we're on our way the day before. Well, it was on a Saturday. And Grafton was having like this barbecue festival, right? And so we're, I love barbecue. I'm from Georgia. And so we're on the way to this barbecue festival. And we see this lady walking on the side of the road. And she has like a baby carrier with her. And so I'm like, man, we better stop. Like I, this doesn't normally happen. And she's literally walking right on the side of the road. We need to stop and just see what's wrong. So we stopped and began to talk to this lady. And uh, we found out that she's been going through a really rough time. We found out that she just got kicked out of a house that she was staying in. And she had nowhere to go. And she has a six-month-year-old baby. She doesn't have much formula left. She, all of this stuff. And so it's like, well, we, I mean, we have to do something, obviously. She can't just continue on her way. And uh, so that night, I called and tried to find some places to take her and to... to put her in a place, tried to find some different women's shelters and homes and stuff. Couldn't find anything, so um, she was able to stay in a hotel that night. And the next day, again, I had Strawberry Fest planned and all of this stuff with family. It was going to be a blast. And after church, we went to pick her up, and she's like, hey, on your way. So we're in, like, north end of Grafton, and we're taking her to a place in Waukesha. And she says, hey, can you stop by this house and pick up all of my things first? And I'm like, sure, we can do that. And... <laughs> In my heart, it was so wrong because part of me, like the, the flesh part of me, was like, oh, man, I had all of these things planned today, and now literally this is going to take about three hours, a chunk out of my day. Strawberry Fest is done at five. Like I'm thinking through these things. And as I, as I take her to this house and she's packing her things, she has all of these trash bags, and she stuffs the car full of this stuff. And literally I'm sitting there feeling inconvenienced. And I stopped in that moment, and it's like God began to speak to me. Kevin, why don't you put yourself in her shoes for a second? <laughs> You're sitting here worried about a, a festival with people, and this lady is literally making a huge, the biggest transition in her life, and all she has is her little girl and these five bags that she's packing in your car. That is her life, and you're worried about one day of having fun. And my heart began to break. My heart began to break, and I, I literally, I tried to align myself. Instead of being right here and saying, hey, it's the good Christian thing to do to pick her up, and I'm doing all of these nice things for her, my heart began to shift and align right here, and I began to put my, my, my feet in her shoes and see that she's broken, she's lonely, she has nothing, and I can be the one that shows her Jesus right now. And when that changed... My conversations with her changed. She was very negative, and rightfully so. She had a lot happen in her life. She was abused. There were so many things that she was broken from. 
I just begin to talk and tell jokes and make her laugh and talk about Jesus and church and what her experience was and what she thought of Jesus and begin to smile a lot and just have fun and get out of that moment of selfishness that I was in and her conversations begin to change. She began to smile and laugh a little bit. She began to actually, her heart began to change because instead of just being here and saying, hey, I'm doing the good Christian thing to do, now let me get back to my life, I begin to shift to here and say, it's not about me. It's not about me. And everything changed. Everything changed in that moment. I took her to that home and and it was such a cool moment. It was such an amazing moment. And I begin to think back to the cross and the picture of what the cross is. And the only way that this could have happened is just like Paul said in the Bible, is that every single day we need to take up this cross and we need to follow Jesus. Just like Jesus gave his life for us on this cross, it's our job to take up the cross, die to ourselves and our desires and our wants and our flesh, and actually begin to follow a God who has a perfect plan for us. It was that day that I'm like, God, I'm sorry for being selfish. I want to live at the intersection of the cross. The only way that we can love God and love people in an imperfect way, because it'll never be perfect, but the only way that we can strive to do that is if we take up our cross and follow him. If we die to ourselves, we'll take care of the temple. If we die to ourselves, we'll take care of the porch. We'll realize that God is way more important than me. People are way more important than me. And things will begin to change in your life. When Peter and John did this, it changed the world. The church was just forming at this time, and thousands were added to it. I can't imagine the difference that those thousands made just because they decided to live at the intersection of the cross.